In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, all my readers. Give them a hand. And would you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we ask you now to move through us in ways that we don't even try to think we can control. In fact, it would be best if we didn't try. Rather, let us, for a few moments, let you have total control. Send to us what we need to hear. Stir within us what needs to be stirred. Revive in us that which has been languishing too long. And use the words of my mouth and our thoughts and our sharings together all to create a place where transformation and hope and joy can be experienced. We pray this in the gracious and humble name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Well, I put my readers on a spot, so guess what? Now you get to be put on a spot. I'm going to give you 20 seconds each. That means you have to have a partner. Go find one. Now. Now. Jump. Go fast. Go fast. Hurry. Hurry. All right. You got a partner? Good. 
I'm there, you know, nice. All right, here we go. You got 20 seconds each. Decide who's going first. That'll take 15 seconds. Who's going first? Who's sharing first? You know? All right, whoever's sharing first, 20 seconds. Everything you know about Jesus Christ, go. Stop. I knew some of you could not stop talking. I, get, I just knew. I knew. Okay. She made me. Listen to this. All right. Now the other person. You get 20 seconds, and you can't say anything your partner said. 20 seconds. Ha, ha. You should have gone first. All right. Ready? Get set. Go. Stop. Stop. I said stop. That's just, I know. How many of you heard something from your partner that you hadn't thought of before or weren't thinking of when they sort of surprised you they said it? Some of you. Okay, good. Good. All right. How many of you heard your partner say something, I wish I'd have said that? Now you can, because now you have 40 seconds. Of, no, 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 no. Let me finish the sentence. Now you have 40 seconds of information about Jesus. You see what I'm saying? So now you have that to take with you this week. You have that, those 40 seconds, yours and theirs. You can share that together. What do we know about Jesus. Well, as I've taught you before, if you've been paying attention, choir. <laughs> as I've taught you before, they always see my front. They're going to look at my back for a little while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, the Jesus we know is the Jesus we can tell. The Jesus that's in the Bible that you don't know is not the Jesus that you're familiar with. That makes sense, right? So what you can say about Jesus is really what you believe about Jesus. And you have to sort out for yourself how much of what you say about Jesus are facts, like he was born in Bethlehem, and how much of what you say about Jesus is this is when he blessed or touched my life, which is factual in terms of just data, which is personal in terms of experience. Okay? But we're living in the post-Easter world right now. We shout hallelujah. We said he's risen. We just did it again in the call to worship. But now the question is, what do we believe about this Jesus? And that was the church's struggle about 200 years after Jesus died, they were trying to figure out what is it that we would want to say to the world, to the world that's not even been born yet, to generations not even thought of yet, to a world not even conceived of yet, 
what, we would, what would we want to say that is a summary, a foundation of what we believe about Jesus? Turn to your bulletin. The Apostles' Creed was written to give us a foundation of understanding of what we say about Jesus. Now, take a look at the way the Apostles' Creed is laid out. Have you ever thought about the fact that take a look at this, Jesus commands the major portion of the Apostles' Creed? Have you ever thought about that? Well, that's perhaps obvious, because Jesus' people ought to want to focus on Jesus. But the early church is teaching us, if you want to talk about being a Christian, there's a lot of stuff you can know, and it's all important, but man, (laughs) Jesus is the deal. And in the Apostles' Creed, it teaches us 15 things about Jesus. Did you ever know that before? 15 things about Jesus is in the Apostles' Creed. We're going to go through them real fast. You ready? This is lightning round for Pastor Rick. Okay? I get more than 20 seconds up. All right, here we go. I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus, Yeshua, was the original Hebrew word. It's a common name. But Christ means something. It's Messiah. It it means the one who comes to save us. So already in the name, they're telling you, this this Yeshua, Jesus, is coming to save us. His only son, God's only son. Now, we talk to children about the fact that they're God's child, and of course they are. But God creates those children sort of as a separate act, but in his Son, God becomes incarnate. It is God himself coming into the world in a father-son relationship. That's a unique aspect of Jesus. Our Lord, this is about relationship. This is to suggest that Jesus for us is not just a role model, but rather Jesus is one that we surrender our total allegiance to. That my goal as a Christian, from the first time I begin to think about Jesus, moves me to a place where I begin to live and act daily to serve Jesus. When I wake up in the morning to put in my first conscious thought before the coffee pot goes on, today I will serve my Lord. It's that preeminent, that important. Who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is an intentional act of divine power. This is obviously a very unique birthing because what's unique about it, at a particular point in time, God chose to bring about a human being in a way in which no one ever had been by the power of the Holy Spirit. The uniqueness of this guy. Born of the Virgin Mary. And boy, you can get into some debate about virgin birth, can't you? And boy, there's some people out there who just... Mary was a virgin... And then there are other people who say, well, you look at the Hebrew, and it really means a young girl. And we get into all these debates. What I want to suggest to you is, when it talks about the uh, Virgin Mary, it just means that this child has been foretold for generations, for centuries. This Jesus was planned by God long before God ever allowed Jesus to be born. We hear about it in the prophets. So it's a confirmation, this is the one we've been waiting for. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. This is probably another sermon on another day, but why would they call out Pontius Pilate? Because suffering is personal. 
when other people suffer, we have to acknowledge the fact that there's a part of that suffering that is so personal, whether we're causing it or receiving it. And so often we dismiss other people's suffering as, well, that's the way it is, or we dismiss our responsibility or our role in it. But suffering is personal to God. Was crucified. Jesus lived in the storm. Jesus did not just go die. Jesus spent his life in moments going through very severe agony. He was crucified. God knows agony. God knows suffering and trial because God experienced it. You need to know that. Died. At the end of the day, Jesus died, is facing the ultimate bully. Death for some can be the ultimate bully. It's a thing that scares us. It's a thing that terrifies us. It's a thing that breaks us to our knees. Well, guess what? We have a Lord who absolutely died, didn't fake it, and to go to sleep for three days, died, went into death, took it on, was buried. And I put in my notes here, I mean, he was really dead. I mean, you know, he wasn't just lying around in a funeral home sleeping. He was buried. He dead. Completely, totally. He descended to the dead or descended into hell. If you're Presbyterian, you're really comfortable right now because you're used to saying that. If you're United Methodist, you go, well, that's not what ours says. But it was put in there to say, answer the question that everyone wants to know. Well, what happened on Holy Saturday? What was Jesus doing? Well, what the church says, the ancient church, is that when he died, instead of coming to the world that we know or going to God, he entered into where death reigns and encountered those who were there who'd gone before him. So that not only is he willing to go into death, he's willing to go into the reign of death, not afraid. If he can go into the reign of death, he can go with you anywhere that you are. No fear. Descended. Okay, on the third day he rose again, Easter people. Easter people, this guy faces death, dies, goes into the depth of death, and comes back to life. You want to talk about somebody who's got a very unique life? He ascended into heaven. I used to think this was such an irrelevant message for me. Like, okay, what good is he doing me up in heaven? I'm here. But what you have to understand is if Jesus goes from here to heaven, he makes heaven and here connected in a very real way. Heaven is not out there somewhere left of Pluto, but there's a very real connection between my life, this world, and the place where God reigns supremely. And Jesus has made it connected. See it at the right hand of, of the Father. Jesus is at home both here on earth and in heaven. And I don't know about you, but there are places that I return to where I feel instantaneous like I'm home. And i got to believe when Jesus had a chance to go sit right next to God, however you think about that, what a holy, wonderful moment that must have been. And for God to receive Jesus back after all the suffering that Jesus went through. Talk about intimacy and love and joy. 
will come again to judge the living. And a whole lot of people get really anxious about this judging aspect. I want you to focus on the living. You don't have the ability to judge someone unless you have power and authority over them. Here, what I am saying to you is, the church is teaching us, Jesus has power and authority over all living things, including you and me. This Jesus has power for us living today and the dead. And the dead. Fifteen things you just got taught about Jesus. Okay? Now, that was a little fast, and each one could have its own sermon series. But do you understand the Apostle Creed just a little bit better than you did before? At least this section? What do you know about Jesus? Well, you know 15 things. If you just read the Apostles' Creed, you know 15 things right at the get-go. What this teaches us, though, contradicts some of the things you hear people say. That Jesus is a great role model. Well, of course he is. I mean, I'm not saying that's not true. He is. And I've often said to people myself, I look to Jesus to know how to live my life. But you know what the difference is between a role model and Jesus? A role model does things in a way that I watch them, and that's how I want to live. I want to I mimic them, if you will. Okay? So, I want to become a bell choir director. So, I want to mimic what Judy does. I'm going to sit there, I'm going to videotape her, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to practice doing exactly what Judy does. She's my role model. But as she's my role model, can you imagine the music that I would create? Jesus would make it possible for me to actually do music. Do you understand the difference? One's a, one's a behavioral thing. The other transforms who I am. Makes me able to do that which I could not do before my relationship with Jesus. He's more than a role model. He lives the life that we would want to live, and then he's the one who makes it possible for us to live with the intimacy and relationship we have with him. Do you hear me, church? You with me? Jesus is the one who doesn't teach me how to forgive only. He's the one who gives me the grace to be able to forgive. You could tell Rick Dake all day long he ought to forgive people, and I would say, you're right, I should do that. You're right, I should do that. I really do think I should do that. But Matt really made me mad, and I'm not forgiving him yet. I mean, he taught me how to do it. But Jesus is the one who makes me understand how to forgive Matt and probably recognize what Matt did is not worth what my anger has become, and i am probably been more of a jerk than Matt's ever been. Amen? You can say amen to that, Matt. It's okay. I mean, you know what you're saying? It changes the relationship. Jesus doesn't say, well, when you walk into a storm, I'll go with you. He says, I'll calm the storms. I have the power to do that. I mean, I want my best friend with me in the middle of the battle. But there are some battles bigger than me and my best friend can take on. 
unless my best friend's Jesus and he can actually stop the storm. Do you understand how he's a pretty unique guy? This is who Jesus is. Now, there are some facts there I've just shared with you, but I want to tell you now about... And I'm just going to do this, and it's not what I normally do, but there are three things that have happened in the last 24 hours, or will be happening within the next three, that talk to me about why Jesus is such a unique life. We're going to do a baptism at the next service. And uh, Mason's coming up to be baptized. And his family's getting all ready. I was sitting in the chair at Great Clips getting my cough done um, a couple of days ago, and I heard a person next to me talking about Clarkson United Methodist Church, and I turned it was Mason's dad. He was getting all pretty for the baptism, too. And they're all excited about the baptism coming up. And, uh, and yet, what they all need to know, what you need to know, and what Mason one day will know, is that I'm not just getting them wet at 11 o'clock. Jesus is entering his life in a way, not for the first time, but in another way, to absolutely change his future. Though we're not putting water on him, we're pouring power upon him in the name of Jesus. At the second service, also, we have 22 second graders who are coming to get their Bibles. 22 second graders. And about 100 people apparently are coming to see it happen. And that's just their friends and family. You know what that moment is? They're not getting a textbook. We're giving them the Bible to enter them into a deeper relationship with the Lord over that Bible, Jesus Christ. Now, why does that matter? And I know a couple of you are watching online right now because I recently had a couple of those former second graders, former confirmands, who are now in their late 20s, who came into my office last week and said, Pastor Rick, one of them said it this way, we just screwed around in confirmation. We didn't take it serious. I said, I know. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, each one of them had a different experience, and they were confirmed here and did youth ministry here and kind of thing. But now they're coming back, and they're saying, but now I need to know what I believe, and I don't want to know about God. I want to know God. And I said to them, all three of them, and these are separate conversations, your yearning for God started when you were baptized. And when we gave you a Bible in the second grade, it continued. And when you squirreled around confirmation and didn't take it serious, God was taking you serious. I don't know what seeds we're planting when we hand the Bible off next service, but I know seeds are being planted. I know Christ is living in that moment. And I pray that for them, as I pray for you, 
that picking up your Bible will become more than an academic work. It will be an experience of the living God. This past week, our church lost two really good men. Milt Mason passed away, and the Lord is celebrating his life at a worship service on Monday. Walter Noon passed away yesterday. And uh, we're going to celebrate his life um, May 11th. And uh, I know some of you are shocked to get some of that news. So I can be really sad about their passing, and I am. But I'm unafraid of their death. Because, you see, they aren't dead to God. You hear me, church? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Easter people, that's not an ancient creed. It's a truth. So what will you say about Jesus this week? What will you testify about Jesus this week? By your words, by your actions, Because the creed tells me, Easter tells me, there's no doubt. He's with you. He's with us. Thanks be to God. 